Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter, at UndercoverGreg. It's another college basketball edition of Full Slate as Bill Christie joins me, our college basketball, or my college basketball partner in crime, at Larry's Locks 2 for all of his picks. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter. Lucha, good to have you back. It's been a, you know, about a week and a half, a little brief hiatus for us with the college basketball picks, but good to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we've been missing each other back and forth trying to get something together, so we apologize for that because um, we all know that some some of you guys are out there waiting for these podcasts to drop because, as we've stated before, our records have been pretty good throughout the season I do remember last so week with our, uh, you know, uh, Pump the Brakes game podcast. Yes. Last week. Yeah, yeah, we struggled our last one. Um, but looking at this this slate tomorrow, I mean, I am – in love with a majority of this board, and we have plenty of games to give out today. Um, I'm looking forward, so it's going to be a fun Saturday Saturday slate coming up. Yeah, and we have a few consensus plays. Um, you know, uh, ironically enough, uh, both uh, two of the th- we're going to give out three consensus plays. Two of the three consensus plays are best bets. Uh, we'll start with one of those consensus plays. Uh, which is Bill's best bet, and then we'll end with my consensus, uh, my best bet, which is also a consensus play. So let's jump right in 
And we're going to start in the SEC, where uh, we're both interested in... <laughs> it's a game that might not interest the average sports fan, but it is all tickets cash, cash the same, as we always say. And hey, if you're looking to uh, you know, roll out of bed and shortly thereafter cash a ticket, uh, head down to South Carolina, where we're seeing the Gamecocks, the Gamecocks excuse me, of South Carolina laying a short number at home at 2, total in this game of 155. Uh, and we're both going to be on the Gamecocks here. This is Bill's best bet. Uh, so I'll just start, and I'll be brief, Bill, and let you take the reins. But obviously, if you've listened to us most of the year, you know that we're not really high at all on Auburn. And, you know, I uh, cashed a ticket on them the one time maybe all year that I'll bet on them. Uh, I got them at plus five a couple weeks ago against Alabama, and they ended up closing as, I think, three-and-a-half or two-and-a-half point underdogs, lost the game by four, so getting the best of the number benefited me there. But uh, recently, I mean, one in four straight up uh, on the road for Auburn, and I think that's also relevant here because one of the reasons that you and I were both not very high on Auburn was that there was a lot of turnover on this roster, and there was a lot of change and not a lot coming back, and they had the postseason ban. Normally, those aren't the teams we think that are going to win road games. I mean, normally, right. you, you think of you know good road teams as buttoned-up teams that are ready to play, whether they're at home, neutral site, or on the road, whatever. You know, a, a team with a ton of turnover and new faces you know, is going to have enough time playing at home, much less going on the road. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, and, you know, Gamecocks have won both of their true home games this year. Uh, and, and one thing also that I like here uh, is this is, uh, I think, a little bit of a motivational edge, which is another reason that we've talked about kind of being anti-Auburn with that postseason ban looming over them. You never quite know when they're just going to tap out and say, oh, well, you know, even, you know, what good is this game? Even if, you know, say they get down early, then, you know, there's not much motivation for them to fight back. Whereas the Gamecocks, one in three in their last four games against Auburn, a pair of 500 seasons since that Final Four run back in 2017. Last year they went 18 and 13. So obviously we've seen Auburn kind of rise in the SEC recently, and South Carolina has been looking up at them. So I think for those upperclassmen that are you know weren't on the Gamecocks when they went to the Final Four, which is back in 2017. Now there's a lot of upperclassmen that have been taking it on the chin against Auburn, uh, and I think are, are going to be eager to get off the snide here. And lastly, this is a bit of a weird line, too, right? Like, Auburn's recent form would indicate that they should probably be favored. They're 2-1 straight up and 3-0 and against the spread in their last three games. Granted, the straight-up victories are over Kentucky and Georgia, but we know that South Carolina isn't, you know, light years ahead of those teams in the SEC anyway. They're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC. So the fact that I saw South Carolina favored, and by the way, bet out to a two-point favorite, they opened at one, it looked like. Like, that also makes me like the Gamecocks here. Uh, just kind of a little funkiness with the number. Uh, normally, like, likes has me landing on these short favorites. But uh, tell me more about why you like South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. If I put out this to you prior to us talking and you knowing what's going on, I say, I got an 8-7 and seven team traveling to a 3-4 and four team. What do you <laughs> think the spread's going to be? Right. I mean, and I would there's no way. The 8-7 team is probably like a six-point favorite, you know, something like that. Exactly. You mentioned that they came out as a one-point favorite. That's what it opened at. I was lucky enough to grab it at that and put it out to my guys. 
Um, I actually put it out to all of Twitter uh, as a free play five unit bomb, which is um, I have to check my records. I want to say that my bombs are like six and one or five and one something. So, um, you know, hoping to keep that streak alive. But when I look at this game, you know, obviously that's the first thing that jumps out, the fact that South Carolina is the favorite. I'm seeing it bet all the way out to two and a half now, which is great news. Um, and you You're mentioned already that in at one. What's that? You're already in at one. Yes, already in okay. at one. Um, this Auburn team, though, they got they got Mizzou and Baylor coming up after South Carolina. So definitely a look ahead spot for Auburn here. Um, and you got to expect they're preparing for those two, right? And not this crappy three and four South Carolina team. Uh, but the, I, I feel like the story of this game is going to be second or quote unquote extra chances. Um, Auburn, they are 322nd in the nation in turnover percentage, which is abysmal. They're constantly turning the ball over. South Carolina, on the other side, they're 32nd in the country defensively in turnover percentage. So they're going to be forcing turnovers left and right in this game. And South Carolina is also 16th in the country in offensive rebound percentage, whereas Auburn is 257th in holding opponents off the offensive glass. So you combine the turnovers that Auburn should be given up with the offensive rebounds that South Carolina gets, they should get much more possessions, many more shots than the Auburn Tigers will in this game. And you mentioned Auburn struggles on the road. One in three is road dogs. They're also one in five after a loss against the spread, which they're coming off of. And again, like you said, this team we've talked about all season, they're fades for us for the majority of the season. You know, the postseason ban, uh, the fact that there's so many new guys, there's no real continuity, it seems like. They just seem to kind of be going through the motions, which is exactly what we expected. Um, and you said, you know, not many people are interested in this game. I'm interested in this game. we got two of the most fiery coaches in the nation in this game. <laughs> and if you take a look at the text that is sent to you and to, uh, and to Alex, if this game goes to overtime, I, scrap the regular overtime. Let's get a steel cage in there. Let's get Frank Martin versus Bruce <laughs> Pearl. Steel cage death match. Two guys enter. One guy leaves, that's the winner. I think that would be entertaining. Am I right? No, yeah, I love it. You're right. Yeah, I, mean, two, I would pay for that pay-per-view. That would be exciting. These two um, over the years have given us as college basketball fans a lot of entertainment, whether their teams are winning or losing, going back to Frank Martin's days in Kansas State with the um, Kansas State Wildcats. And, of course, Bruce Pearl was always very animated with the Tennessee Volunteers as well. So yeah. I'm with was, you there. Um, was, but, it, was Frank Martin there when they had um, Michael Beasley? Uh, it's a good question. I want to say he was. I think he, he was definitely too. There and when I had Pullen and Denny Clemente. I would, I would pay to have seen Frank Martin going after Michael Beasley in a practice. You know, Beasley probably high as a kite when he's sitting there at practice, <laughs> not giving a shit. Dude's dropping 25 and 15, you know, basically with his eyes closed throughout the year. And Frank Martin trying to get the most out of everybody. My God, that would have been pure entertainment. But like you said, this is my big play. I put it out to Twitter already. Five units on South Carolina. I got him at minus one. I still like him at minus two, two and a half. Um, I really think this is a great spot for South Carolina against against Auburn here at home. Some quick research. Frank Martin's first year as the head coach in Manhattan with the Wildcats of Kansas State was 2007-2008, but he was the assistant prior. And Beasley's lone year at Kansas State was that first year with Martin as the head coach, 07-08. So I wouldn't okay. be surprised if in the years prior when Martin was an assistant if he probably did some legwork 
recruiting Beasley and then was the head coach by the time he got to campus. Yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> so, anyway, let's keep things moving as we're both on the Gamecocks and Bill for a five-unit bomb to get us started. Uh, coming out hot and heavy here yes. on Full Slate. And we're going to keep that rolling as I'm going to go to my alma mater, the Temple Owls on North Broad Street, welcoming in the Houston Cougars, another 12 noon Eastern tip. So we're firing out of the gate. We're going to come back to this 12 noon window a little later on for another consensus play, which is my best bet of the day. But uh, we're seeing the Temple Owls catching 12 and a half at home against Houston, total of 132 and a half. I'm going to be on Temple here. This is a nationally televised game on CBS, which right off the bat makes me like Temple because we know all year that we're going to be seeing more and more of Houston as we come down the line and get into the nitty-gritty of February and March in college basketball. Houston is obviously uh, a team to uh, keep an eye on as far as mid-majors are concerned. And, uh, you know, this isn't... You know, tomorrow's not the last time you're going to see them on national TV, but it probably is safe for conference tournaments when there's all sorts of nationally televised games. This is the big spot for Temple, right? I mean, you know, they're at home against Houston, and, you know, they're a big underdog in the game. This recently got, like, Houston was supposed to play Cincinnati. This game got moved into this window, and, uh, you know, I, I just think a lot lines up here for the Owls to kind of treat this as their season. Granted, Temple's recent form also, and this is also why I like it, recent form for Temple's looking better, okay? I, I can tell you, just as an Owl alum, Aaron McKee's in his second year with the program as the head coach. He had obviously been an assistant under Fran Dunphy prior, and there was a lot of turnover, particularly this season, with Temple. Last year, in McKee's first year, there was a lot of Dunphy guys that were finishing up their tenure as Owls. Khalif Battle is set to return for Temple in this game. Uh, he had been nursing a hamstring injury, and you know he's a big. T- he's, he's figures to be an important player for Temple, not just for the rest of this season, but moving forward. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school and went to ba- Butler, excuse me, and it didn't quite work out. And he transferred to Temple, and he just hasn't seen the floor that much due to that hamstring injury. So he's supposed to come back. And, oh, by the way, Damian Dunn just won American Conference Rookie of the Week and was also the Philly Big Five Player of the Week uh, with uh, 19 points per game and four rebounds were his averages in victories over Central Florida and Tulane. So uh, last three games for Temple, two and one straight up. I mentioned those wins over UCF and Tulane and three and oh against the spread. They covered a number similar to this at home against, uh, or actually it might've been on the road against SMU uh, earlier in 2021. So as I said, team that is, not a lot of guys back, but kind of starting to find their way, I think, and starting to play some better basketball, as evidenced by, as I said, Damian Dunn, the conference rookie of the week in the American, Khalif Battle coming back. They're only getting stronger. They've improved since that 26-point loss at Houston about a month ago. And oh, by the way, just for a little fun to add to the handicap, this is the first game post-John Chaney's 89th birthday. You know they're going to be talking a lot about that on the CBS broadcast. I think Temple comes with full effort and makes Houston earn this one enough to cover the big number. Yeah, I'm with you. I already put this play out as well. I believe I'm playing it for two units. A lot of the reasons you stated, Houston's the only ranked team that Temple has on their schedule remaining. It's a revenge spot. Uh, losing to them by 26 uh, on the road, coming back home now. 
Uh, the line being much shorter. I think it was 16, 16 out and there a half in Houston. At Houston yeah. And Houston covered with ease. The fact the line's low at a 12.5 makes me feel like Temple's going to be able to hang in there. Again, we don't need them to win the game. We just need them to cover the number. Um, I can see them keeping it within single digits here. Uh, it might be a little bit of a sweat at the end, but, again, I'm on Temple here, all the reasons you stated. Yeah, and last thing, uh, you just tell you as a Temple alum, I'm not sure there's a rhyme or reason behind this, but every year Temple seems to have one of these games where they've been able to win. They have a good streak. I don't know the exact number offhand of winning consecutive games, consecutive seasons with a win over a top 25 team. Again, not saying they're going to win the game. Last year, they were kind of hovering around 500. Wichita State came to campus, big national TV game on a Wednesday or Thursday night. Temple managed to win that game. When I was at Temple, they had a big blowout win over Kansas at Wells Fargo Center. Uh, went to Madison Square Garden and beat Syracuse when, you know, Bayheim had a team that was top five in the country. For whatever reason... Uh, Temple seems to have its one moment in the sun, even though uh, it's been a while since the Owls have gotten to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. So uh, I think that uh, Temple certainly will bring a full effort here and find a way to get us to the window, catching the 12, 12 and a half. Uh, Let's keep things moving as uh, Bill is going to take us to the ACC, where we have a game taking place in Kentucky. Louisville is a short home favorite of two and a half points over Duke. You like the Cardinals here, and I imagine this is more of just a fade of Coach K and the boys. Yeah, we're keeping it really nice and short here. It's a fade on Duke, period. That's that's the only reason you need to make a play on this game. Um, no, I can dive into the numbers if I really want to. If if you're really that bored and you want to take a look at it, a Duke against the spread has been absolutely abysmal all season. Um, not to say Louisville's been a shining team here and, and you know, that everything's kind of been nice and, and easy for them. I just feel like this Duke team, we've talked about it plenty this year. They're, they just don't, similar to Auburn, like, they don't even seem like they want to be there. I can't tell you how many times over the course of this week that I've seen people tweet or, you know, on TV talking about how Lenardi put out his, his first round of teams here and Duke was one of the first four out, I think, or last four in. And the fact that this is the first time in X amount of Weeks that Duke has not been ranked in the top 25, um, and look at normally, like I would look at that as like a motivation factor and say, "Wow, these guys are going to come in and, and they're going to want to just put it on Louisville, right. just to kind of like you know put their name back on the map." I, I just don't think they care, you know. Like there's not there's not been one moment this year with this Duke team that makes me feel like they have that in them, and I, and I'm going to go back to it again. It goes back to the top, and that's Coach K. He has not come out and been like – he's never talked about the team. He's never talked about the game. He's never talked about what they are. It's always an excuse. It's all about whatever's going on in the world around him. you know. And, and I appreciate the fact that he wants to use his platform and, and speak about those issues. But you know, in my opinion – again, this is only my it's opinion. The sign of a not very focused team. A hundred percent. And there's plenty of time during the offseason to talk about those things. Why would you be bringing all this stuff up while you're in the trenches with these kids? Again, they're coming to you looking for you to be their leader. And when you're kind of like, eh, we shouldn't be here, what are they thinking? <laughs> you know, these yeah. are young, young, and impressionable Bill, kids. Didn't we kind of see this coming? Yo, I, they have, I, I mean, I don't know how you felt about Duke preseason, but like, let's go back to uh, 
the gosh, it was about a month ago now. They they lost those Big Ten games at home against Michigan State and Illinois, and Coach K's immediately running his mouth about canceling the season. Right, exactly. And we talked about it preseason. We we talked about it in our opening podcast. I had them as my regression team in the ACC, and one was the fact that I said Coach K is not going to be into this season. He's in the twilight of his career. He's got this stuff with the COVID going on. And then I also said the other factor is there's no Cameron indoor. Like, so the right. fact that they don't have that presence when they're at home, it, it's a factor. It's, it's, played, it's played it out throughout the season. And both gonna, those Big Ten losses that I mentioned were at home against Michigan State and Illinois. Yeah, exactly. And, again, Duke, I would, you would think normally this would be a team, this would be a spot where they're going to want to make a statement. I'm playing this on the opposite side. I think that Louisville smells blood in the water. Like they're they're going to want to pounce on these guys. They're going to want to make a statement because you know, look at they they're tired of hearing about Duke. Almost everybody in the ACC is always tired of hearing about Duke. Right. So when you see an opportunity like this where they're down a little bit and you have a chance to make a statement because you Take know people are down, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Whether whether you think that beating this Duke team because they're not that great is a resume builder or not, again, it's just the fact that it's an ACC blue blood program and you have a chance to take them out when they're when they're on the, their lowest leg, they're going to do it, in my opinion. So that's the reason I'll be on Louisville here. The last point here, uh, and, and I'm not going to play this game because I do think there's some variance here, as you said, with the weirdness going on with Duke, there's two ways you can kind of look at that. Um, and, and, and I do think the angle that you mentioned about maybe – this kind of being my favorite term, a circle of wagon spot yeah. for Duke. You know, I could, I you could sell me on that, but I, I'm, I, I probably still lean towards a lot of what you're saying, and 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 therefore I just want to get into a little bit of a bigger discussion here before we get to my next pick. Are we like I'm looking at the ACC standings? Are we seeing a changing of the guard in the ACC? Because I know you're, I know you're on Syracuse, and we're not going to talk about that game, yeah. but like. Just with Bayheim and Roy and and Coach K, a lot further down, and you look at the conference standings in the ACC. It's Virginia, it's Virginia Tech, it's Florida State. Pittsburgh's been a surprise. Yeah. Georgia Tech is off to a decent start. Louisville ahead of these teams. Like, do we think this is the start of something even bigger in the league? It it's got the potential. I mean, look at we've we've talked about it at nausea about you know how weird this season has has been or was going to be. How weird the end of last season was. And, again, these guys that you mentioned, these coaches, they're all in the twilights of their career. Right. I mean, how much longer are they going to really stick around? And when you when you have that out there, because, again, I think we've been talking about this, and when I say we, I mean anybody that's ever spoken, spoken about college basketball, about Bayheim and Coach K and Roy, about them. Look, how many more years do they have left? And I feel right. like we've been talking about that for, like, 10 to 15 years now. So when you're a recruit, like – they got to be thinking that too. Like, well, yeah, I'm getting recruited by you, but get after my yeah, how long are you going to be there for? And and right. really, what's the succession plan? Like, who who's the next guy? And right. I think I think yeah, I think that does play a part in it. Where the teams you mentioned are getting those guys who we've noticed over the past couple of years, the teams that are really successful, the teams that are getting guys that are going to be committed to two, three, potentially four years at their university really building that continuity as a team as opposed right. to just star players. And I don't think that they can do that. I don't think they can recruit that way, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, you know, it, it is crazy just for 
a bigger kind of sports point at large here, Bill. I mean, obviously, we just heard about the retirement of Philip Rivers, and it sounds like Drew Brees is going to be on the way out. And, you know, now obviously these players have been long retired, but we've seen all sorts of baseball Hall of Famers passing away. Hank Aaron, of course, going today. Um, and, and now here we are in college basketball, and it just feels like, like you said, it kind of does feel like the end of the line for some of these historic coaches. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Izzo at Michigan State. I mean, obviously they're not, you know, at the top, top of, of that conference. So, you know, it, it is, I mean, we knew this time was coming, but gosh, it does hit you a little bit. Re- again, regardless of the sport, it does hit you when, when you start to see the end, you know, kind of nearing for a lot of the biggest names. Yeah, it's weird. You know, and I, and I, I'm old, and it makes me feel really old when I see right. these guys, like, you know, potentially leaving. And, you know, you're mentioning some of the names that we've seen pass away recently and guys that are retiring and guys that are becoming analysts now that, you know, right. were in the league not too guys, long remember ago. remember that report that I think it came out before the NFL season that Breeze already had a deal with NBC? Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's nuts. Now you're hearing Rivers possibly going. I would love to hear him you know, on a on a microphone. Well, I heard he know, was going to do high school football in Alabama. Really? Well, I mean, he's yeah. got, what, like five more years and he'll have an entire football team just of his family? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> 50 kids. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but anyway, I, I yeah, I think a lot of your points about being anti-Duke here are well taken, and, and we'll have to see. I mean, once the season ends, we'll have to see. I, I'd be curious, you know, normally like that end-of-season press conference stuff is more – stuff I'm more interested in if it's a pro team, right? I mean, you and I are both Eagles fans. I I was glued to watching Jeff Lurie speak, you know, after they fired Doug and things like that. But, you know, some of these programs kind of have this feel to me too, where like assuming Duke doesn't turn around, turn it around, whenever Coach K talks after their last game, like I don't even know if they do exit interviews in college basketball at the end of the season, like I'm going to want to hear what he has to say because I'm going to start to think, at the end of every season, assuming this isn't the last one for Coach K, I'm going to start to think at the end of every one, okay, he might be out the door. Yeah, and I mean, imagine they don't make the tournament. Right. Right. Like, imagine they don't make the tournament, and obviously the NIT is going to come knocking. Is there an NIT tournament this year? I don't even know. But if there is, you know they're going to come knocking because they're going to want them, right, because they're they're revenue generators. And he's definitely going to turn it down. There's no chance that he's going to have them play in a tournament that's not the – College, you know, NCAA tournament. Oh, so you, think, you think he'd tell the NIT fuck off? No doubt in my mind. No <laughs> doubt. Look, the guy doesn't want to – he's not playing any out-of-conference games. He really doesn't want to play the rest of the season anyway. So, you know, <laughs> there is no way that he would accept an NIT bid. No way. I would be hilarious to watch it, though, because I know he'd be flipping, flipping out about it. But, yeah, they're not going there. The season will end when it ends if they don't make the tournament. Let's keep things moving, and uh, I'm going to go to another Blue Blood, and uh, a team also in the state of Kentucky just talked about Bill taking Louisville, although most of the handicap was anti-Duke. I'm going to take the Blue Blood. I'm going with Kentucky again. I don't know. I just can't quit them. I texted you this, Bill. For one reason or another, like, I just can't break up with Kentucky for whatever reason. (laughs) I find find these lines, I'm just like, oh, wow, they're favored. Like, they're not even playing that well. What's going on here? Next thing I know, I'm betting Kentucky, and that's what I'm doing here. They've lost three straight, and they're favored against 10-3 and three LSU, but here's why I like it. First off, Ken Palm still seems to like Kentucky for what it's worth. They're ranked them at 59th uh, in their overall rankings, and more importantly, 
21st in in defensive efficiency is Kentucky. So, you know, clearly, I, I guess, you know, Cal at least has, I mean, he's been the one and done's has always been his thing. And at least it seems like he's got the kids still playing hard defensively. So that's one thing that I think bodes well here. And then I looked at just the head-to-head matchup with LSU. LSU's sixth in the nation in offensive efficiency. So obviously I think we're seeing a battle, and, and this is going to be one part of one of my handicaps later on in the podcast. But when we see these battles, right, of defense versus offense, you know, top 20 or, or top 21st in defensive efficiency in Kentucky versus sixth in offensive efficiency in LSU, normally what do we do? Well, we look to the total because that is where the total kind of tips us off on where what the right play might be on the side. And we're seeing a total in this game of 147.5. That is the second lowest total in an LSU game all season. So that also kind of made me think Kentucky's the side here, despite, again, being, I think it's 4-9 and nine straight up uh, and, and being favored. Uh, that, just the lower total for an LSU game, given that Kentucky is the better defensive team, made me think, you know, kind of aligned me with the Wildcats. But here's another thing, and this is an anti-LSU angle here. Uh, despite being 10-3 and three straight up, LSU only 5-8 and eight against the spread. And I know you're going to say, well, what, what, what difference does that make here? It's a short line, and just one and a half points. Well, because in their most recent game, LSU got absolutely clobbered by Alabama, and the Crimson Tide scored over 100 points. Now, you could certainly make the argument, well, that was more about Alabama, because they look to be pretty legit down there in Tuscaloosa. Having said that, one of the things, Bill, we always like to talk about when teams get embarrassed, right, certain programs that are buttoned up and we know that they're going to kind of show up the next game and they're going to be eager to get the sour taste out of their mouth, right, you know, Virginia or, you know, I guess not as much now, but Michigan State in the past. We kind of always expected is those teams to kind of be ready ready to go the next day after they get blown out. Well, I don't think I get that same feeling with LSU. Matter of fact, I actually think the inverse is true. And that now I could see them going into a little bit of a tailspin. We know that Will Wade has a checkered past, and he just doesn't seem like the kind of coach that gets everybody, you know, to kind of regroup and recover after that kind of loss. And considering all of the non-covers, and again, this kind of speaks to my point about the 5-8 and eight ATS record and why I think it's relevant here. That tells you you're consistently underperforming. So even when you're winning, you're just kind of sliding by, not looking great doing it. Then you get exposed like they did by Alabama. It makes me think that there's, you know, some fool's gold behind that 10-3 and straight-up record for LSU. I'm doing it again. Kentucky, oh, minus one and a half. Oh, and I am not – we didn't have a crossfire. We didn't have it set up this way. But I – I, I have to take LSU. I have to go against you. I'm sorry. And and I'm listening to you talk about it, and you know, the case that you're making for the anti-LSU play, you know, how they were exposed by Bama. Bama was 23 for 43 from deep. They shot over 53% from three. Kentucky. Yeah, but they by 30. So, like, okay, maybe you take – you could take – five, six of those threes away, and they still win the game by double digits. Yeah, absolutely. But when, Right, but they scored 60 in the first half, which were majority that was from three. So 
that's how they built their lead, and you know, obviously extended it from there because LSU kind of folded. But when I look at this Kentucky team, they're shooting less than 30% from three over the quarter. They're 317th in the country. It's just uh, terrible. And then you could say, okay, you said exposed, right? Like maybe LS, maybe that's a part of LSU's uh, defensive repertoire. It's not there. It's, it is. I mean, over the course of the year, they're 69th in the country in defending the three-pointers. So I think it was just a fact of, look, at Alabama was probably the hottest they'll ever be and possibly any team this country would have been throughout the entire year. Um, and I think LSU does bounce back. I think that, granted, the only spots they have lost, they lost to St. Louis. They came back against a no-name southeastern Louisiana and smoked them. They lost to Florida. They came back against Georgia, won a close game. But then they not only did they beat Georgia, but then they, they beat Mississippi on the road. They beat a decent Arkansas team at home. They beat a decent South Carolina team at home. And then they ran into this Alabama team and just thumped them. And, again, I'm going to kind of go back to what I said about the Louisville and Duke uh, matchup. Like, this could be a – this is an opportunity for LSU. Again, oh, my God, all we hear about in the SEC is Kentucky, 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 Kentucky. Well, now they're kind of down, and we get a chance sure. to – No, I, back I can't argue them. at this point. I do, I do really like LSU in the spot, not, not as much as, like, obviously South Carolina like that. I'd probably play it for one unit. Um, but the fact that this LSU team – you know, they're not that bad. But the other, the other side of it is Kentucky being – favored in this game, to me, like, it only feels like they're favored because they're Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like, if this was any other team that was having the same exact record, having the same exact statistical numbers in this position, I don't think they're favored. I think LSU would be a small favorite. But because it's just Kentucky, and the books know that they're going to get public action on them anyway, they can keep pumping that lineup. Like, you could have this as Kentucky minus five, and, and I know for a fact, you're, you're not see. buying the whole, like, well, Kentucky's favored here and they're 4-9 or whatever. Like, you don't think that applies when it's Kentucky. Correct. If the, again, if this was any other team, this was the line, absolutely. I'd be 100% behind what you're saying. But, again, the fact that it's Kentucky 4-9 and nine yeah. being favored, like, it's still Kentucky. And, like, you know the public's going to be on. I haven't looked at it just yet. I'm trying to pull it up now just to see how many tickets are on um, are on Kentucky in this one. Actually, I'm seeing, wow, we're seeing close to 60% of tickets and money on LSU very early, less than... Uh-oh! Uh, what's that? Fired up. Let's go, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will see how this turns out. Again, I, you, I think you took me in the last crossfire, but... Yeah, and that was that Alabama-Auburn game I mentioned. The only time of the year I'm betting Auburn. <laughs> All right, so we'll see what happens with this one. Again, we didn't plan to have the crossfire, but... I like uh, it. A little impromptu. Greg, Greg's Kentucky. casting of Kentucky <laughs> turned me to LSU. Not normal on this on this show, but it happened. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with more picks on the other side. I hope you're all sitting down because we have to tell you something monumental. We love sports betting, and whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know about a great resource for bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and pick up real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. 
You can see money and bet percentages, like Bill was just mentioning, on every game. So you can see the team's professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical tre- winning historical trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can say, can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to ActionNetwork.com now and receive half off an annual subscription when you use the code FULLSLATE. This offer won't last for long, so go to ActionNetwork.com to sign up for a Pro subscription and use the promo code FULLSLATE to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, on this college basketball edition of Full Slate by our college hoops partner in crime, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. Let's keep things rolling. I'll be quick on this one. Wait, wait, hold up, go- hold up, hold up, hold up. This new partnership with the Action Network. I already purchased my pro subscription. Uh, am I going to get like a? Am I going to get like a rebate in the mail now for fifty percent off? Calling out the sponsor bill. Oh man, I wish I would have known about it before. No, they are phenomenal. I'm I'm going to be backing them one hundred percent. I use Action Network for absolutely every single sport that I handicap um, across the board. They're phenomenal. So much information on there. I can't speak highly enough of them. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm on there basically every day trying to pick up a nugget here or there that helps me with my handicaps. Matter of fact, I will get to some of that later uh, in one of my other picks. But uh, I want to go to the Atlantic 10 for a very quick handicap. This one, a little more of a uh, – not one of my stronger plays, but I did get to the window with Dayton. Looks like four and a half, five. You can get them at on the road. I believe I took four and a half as I got to check my pending wagers right now as I placed all these bets before we hopped on, but Dayton is making the trip to Richmond to take on the Virginia Commonwealth Rams, and we know historically that obviously uh, VCU can be a tough place to play for road teams, Uh, but I'm going to take Dayton plus four and a half is what I got. Uh, This is a team I have been fading more uh, in A-10 games prior to this pod where I'm taking them, but we haven't done a ton of podcasts in 2021, and so far in the month of January, Dayton 4-1 and one straight up and 4-1 and one against the spread. Their last game of 2020 was a loss at home against LaSalle as a 12-point favorite. I gave out LaSalle. We did a pod on about, you know, leading on that day's games, and I took LaSalle and obviously cashed easily as the Explorers won that game outright. But since then, we've really seen Dayton hunker down and I think uh, really start to fine-tune themselves and play their best basketball as we, you know, head into the dog days, really, of the college basketball season. Uh, and and and, I, and that's why I allude to the 4-1 and one straight up in ATS last five numbers. They have been playing a lot of close games. This has been true all all all, uh, all year as their uh, three losses, uh, or excuse me, uh, those four wins that they have in 2021, um, despite the fact that they have been playing a lot of close games in the 2020 portion of the season, the four wins that they have are all by at least nine points. So I think they're starting to really find their stride. Um, and then conversely, if this game is close, 
I'm going to want the points because Dayton's lost three games this year, and they've all been by one possession, two points or less. So I'm going to take these points. I think it goes down to the wire. VCU's off an ugly loss against St. Bonaventure. You could certainly argue that they could come back and blow the doors off Dayton here. But I question the recent form of VCU versus the recent form. I know that's a little square, but the recent form of Dayton just looks a little better. I mentioned that loss for VCU against the Bonnies. They didn't cover as an 11.5-point home favorite against DW. And prior to that, they lost as a six-point road favorite by 15 points at Rhode Island. Last point. Kempom rankings, kind of like to look at this too when I see a line that I are anticipating a close game. VCU 69, Dayton 75. Makes me think again, give me four and a half points. I think it's enough for Dayton to cover. I don't know if you have anything here, Bill, just to add, or we can move on very quickly, but I'm going to take Dayton. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would worry me a little bit about Dayton here would be the fact that they have St. Louis as a kind of a look ahead spot, being a ranked team next. Um, yeah, what you said, all their losses have been one possession. We all know you can't score four and a half, five points on one possession. So you have that in your back pocket, and I'll be I'll be rooting you on that one. I won't be having a play on it, but I'll be rooting for you on that one. I'm curious to hear your handicap on this next pick because we just talked about how we might be experiencing a little bit of a changing of the guard in the ACC with Duke and North Carolina further down the conference standings. Uh, and one of those teams that, uh, granted, is off to a nice start uh, overall – but just 3-3 three and three in the conference and is mixed right in with Duke and North Carolina in the conference standings. Granted, a ranked team is the Clemson Tigers, and you're going to look to fade that Clemson team as their 6.5-point road dog. You're going to lay the 6.5 as they travel to Tallahassee to take on Florida State, who's much higher up in the ACC standings. Seminoles 4-1 and one in ACC play straight up and 8-2 and two straight up overall. I'm just curious how you handicap this game and why you like Florida State. Uh, first of all, because I believe Clemson is complete frauds. Sure. Like, <laughs> like they, they're, they're honestly, in my opinion, besides obviously the Virginia win, or sorry, besides the um, the Alabama or Florida State win they had earlier this year, the only other win that they have of real substance, in my opinion, is the Alabama. They won at Bama um, and beat them by eight. I think this is a totally different team in Alabama now than they were back then. So, like, I feel like if you match up Bama and uh, this Clemson team again, I think it's a different story. They also beat Purdue way earlier on in the season, too. So, I don't I don't think they're as good as their record really laid them out to be as they headed into the game against Virginia. Uh, I was on Virginia in that game. They blew them out, beat them by 35. Uh, and then they lost at Georgia Tech their last game. So recent form has been abysmal. The fact that it's a revenge spot again for Florida State, who lost by 10 in Clemson. Uh, this is a 17-point swing in terms of final score and the spread from the previous game. And it's also a nine-point swing in terms of both spreads as Clemson closed as a two-point favorite last game. Florida State, 5-3 and three against the spread at home. Clemson. Conversely, on the road is 0-3 against the spread. And really, Florida State, in my opinion, has the advantage on both sides of the ball here. They are 12th offensive efficiency compared to 78th in Clemson offensive efficiency. They're 41st in defensive efficiency. Clemson does have the advantage here. They're 19th in the country defensive efficiency. But that is very misleading. And the, the reason it's misleading is because FSU is their effective field goal percentage is 38th in the country, 
Clemson, 171st defensively. That 19 number in defensive efficiency really comes from their ability to create turnovers, and that was kind of the story in the last game. They forced a lot of turnovers. And if you look back at it, a lot of their wins are when they forced a ton of turnovers. Their last two games where they've lost, Georgia Tech only turned the ball over 10 times in their their win over Clemson. Virginia only turned the ball over seven times against them. Unless this Clemson team is forcing a ton of turnovers, they're not going to get the win. I don't think they're going to be able to turn Clemson over. And I'm sorry, going to be able to turn Florida State over enough in this game. It's a revenge spot. Florida State, they know what they have to do. They know they have to take care of the ball. I like them in this spot. I'm going to be playing Florida State minus seven. Yeah, not a whole lot for me, but I, I think you make a good case just based off the I, I think so often in, in college handicapping, I mean, we, in all sports, but particularly in the two revenue college sports, football and men's basketball, we tend to look to these teams that have a little noise behind their numbers, right? And, and, and try to find who the frauds are in, in especially a major conference like the ACC. Um, and, and Florida State certainly, uh, the last five, six years, particularly, uh, you kind of find them consistently up at the top in Clemson, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Some They've had some nice years, some not-so-nice years, and, um, you know, I think that it probably probably would make sense that Florida State kind of drops the hammer here. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, you see these two teams where they're at. Like, it, I think the line kind of indicates almost as much yeah. that the house doesn't really believe in Clemson either. Otherwise, you know, I know they are on the road here, but you would expect a, a, a team in the top 25 – you know, I, I, I'm looking to see where Florida State is. Uh, oh, wow, they're not even – they're actually not in the top ranked, five. yeah. You know, so that you always love that unranked uh, team favored over the ranked team, and, and especially when the number is where it's at, uh, I definitely uh, would lean to that side. As, and you look at – well, we, we talk about Kempom all the time. Kempom has Florida State ranked 19th, Clemson 45th. And yeah, I, think, so there you I go. think that is much truer – to the story here than what you see, obviously. Look, at everybody looks at those little numbers next to the teams, and it cracks me up because they really think that matters. It doesn't mean shit <laughs> at the end of the day. Let's be yeah. real. You know, and the worst thing ever is the preseason rankings because nobody knows. Nobody played the game. That, right. Yeah, and we mentioned that a lot in our preseason. Yeah, where was Duke in the preseason? Exactly. Where was Duke? Yeah. Where was Kentucky? You know, all these teams that were top top teams, they fall off pretty quickly. So right. I think Ken Palm obviously is a much better um, – resource to use when you're looking at those little numbers in front of them because he at least has all this information statistically that goes deep into it, whereas, you know, the rest is just kind of just voting on it, right? AP polls voted on and ESPN poll and coaches right. poll. I mean, right. that's just those people's opinions. That's it. Yeah, Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We all know how that worked out for him. Um, I want to take, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to think here we are 45 minutes into a podcast and we haven't talked about the Big Ten. Um, and I'm going to go there now. Um, we did talk about Dayton earlier, and I'm going to go to the state of Ohio, uh, although this game is in Wisconsin, but it involves an Ohio team, as I'm going to look to um, the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. Ohio State traveling on the road, catching five in Madison, total of 134.5, and, and I'm going to lay the lumber. I got, uh, well, I really shouldn't say lumber. It's not that big of a number, but um, I got 4.5 with Wisconsin, I'd still play it at five because here's the thing. Ohio State had been playing well, uh, but they did just lose outright as a five-point home favorite against Purdue. And this is something I've talked about on prior podcasts, and granted, it did not go my way. 
uh, or our way, because I believe you were on it as well. We were both on Rutgers as a max play a few weeks back at you know in Piscataway against Ohio State, and the Buckeyes obviously went there and made a statement, and they also uh, picked up a road win against Illinois last week. So maybe they're starting to figure a few things out on the road. But despite that, uh, they're still three and three straight up on the road, and two three and one against the spread on the road. And again, we talked about those little numbers. You're going to see, uh, you know, Ohio State is for a ranked team. You know, uh, being 500 on the road normally isn't going to keep your ranks for long. Um, and, and Wisconsin, on the other hand, has been just an absolute home machine. Uh, Ten and one this year straight up at home. Uh, and again, this number is short enough where I'm willing to kind of excuse the five five and one against the spread in the last uh, 11 games or at home this year. Um, and, 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 and by the way, speaking of getting buttoned up programs that we expect to respond after they get their ass kicked, since getting blasted by Michigan, Wisconsin has two wins and two covers against Northwestern and Rutgers. Uh, I, I think Ohio State will give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they did lose to Northwestern earlier this season. I'd say that they're better than those two teams, but certainly they're not Michigan. So I think that the Buckeyes fall closer to Northwestern and Rutgers than Michigan as far as the last three opponents for the Badgers. Um, and, 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 you know, this was another game, Bill, uh, where I talked about this a little in my Kentucky handicap, where we had, you know, two, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of a something's got to give type of matchup when one team has the ball, and that team being Ohio State. Fifth in the nation in offensive efficiency is Ohio State on Kempom. Wisconsin fifth in defensive efficiency, and this total at 134.5 is the fourth lowest total that Ohio State has had all season. And we know, listen, it's Wisconsin at home. I mean, I don't care who's wearing the Wisconsin across the chest. If it's Bo Ryan, Greg Gard coaching, we know that they're very comfortable playing these lower scoring games in the 50s or the 60s. That's just kind of how they've always been, and nothing has really changed there. This is where I mentioned, we mentioned our sponsor, or the ad there with Action Network, caught this on a uh, handicap in, uh, on Action Network, which I thought is very relevant. The Badgers allow the lowest free throw rate in Big Ten play with opponents attempting just 11 free throws per game. That's the fewest in the conference. So for an Ohio State team that we're thinking can really score, well, there's probably not going to be that many freebies here for the Buckeyes. Last point. Again, going back to the Badgers' dominance at home, 72-16 and 16 straight up under Greg Gard at home, and that percentage gets even better in conference games, 39-14 uh, in 14 in home league games. So uh, clearly uh, they have done a really nice job of protecting their home floor, and I don't see that changing here. I think Wisconsin wins the game by double digits. Wow, double digits. Double digits. Double digits, and you're not even maxing it. I am shocked. Wow. I, I look at. I'm not, I'm not gonna have a play on this game. Um, I do like Wisconsin. A lot of the reasons you stated, but also just because it's Wisconsin, right? Like they, they just seem to always get the job done. Again, they're at home. It's a small number. If it comes down to free throws at the end, like this could be a one two point game. Um, late Ohio State misses a shot. They have to fail. Wisconsin is not missing the foul shots. Um, and you mentioned that they don't get the they don't get they don't allow their opponents to get to the line often, you know. And this Ohio State team, uh, for the most part, does a decent job of that. But Wisconsin is just such a well coached, well disciplined team that they're not going to be able to get to that uh, in this one. 
you know, they shoot, yeah, 75% from the line, uh, Ohio State does, but, you know, you can shoot 100% from the line. If you don't get to the line, it's not going to matter. Right. And, you know, from what you said, it doesn't seem like they're going to get to the line much at all anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, if I had to play it, I'd play Wisconsin. Um, I'm just a little shocked. If you think they're going to win by double digits, I can't believe they're I not mean, playing well, I mean, for... Bill, like you're saying, like, you know, that, I mean, that's still only like a five or six point, you know, ATS margin here because I'm already given five. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the game by 20, but, you know, a 10, 12-point win, something like that. How much does Oklahoma win by? Well, I, all I need them is to win. Why, why, do, I, why do I care? It's only a, well, that, that's a, that's a one-point line. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, if you think that – if you think Oklahoma's going to only win, you know, by a couple points and you're going to max that, but you feel like, you know, this Wisconsin team's going to win by – Double digits and it's going to be like almost a six point differential, seven point differential. I would have thought you'd play it for more, but hey, two yeah. years ago, you know, honestly, I didn't even think of that. But <laughs> you know, and, and, but I, I guess I like the I like the spot a little better for Oklahoma, which we'll get to uh, in a minute. Uh, because as as I said, like I'll give you a little push back here. I mean, Ohio State has been playing pretty well, and they did just lose that game to Purdue, um, so. You know, maybe they can kind of quickly recover. I like Chris Holtman. Maybe he's another guy that kind of gets his team back and, and they play, they make this game interesting. I, I just don't see it. Again, Wisconsin at home, you, you're kind of talking me into maxing it, but I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna I'll tell you it. what, I'm, I'm going to put this out there for anybody that listens to it. I'm not going to put it out to my guys for a play, but personally, I'm going to put a personal max play on Wisconsin. For the mere fact that Greg is so nervous to put a max on it makes me feel like it is such a lock. Because whenever somebody's <laughs> like that, like, oh, I like the play, but I don't like them enough where I'm going to max them. But, yeah, I think they're going to win by a lot. It's like, well, wh- wh- why aren't you going to play it for more? So I will be maxing it personally, not putting it out there. If you want to play it that way, fine. I will not put that on my record. I am not putting it out to my clients. But personally, I hope you're on Wisconsin for Wait, a max play. So you're saying you're just going to, like, Make your own bet on Wisconsin, but you're not going to give it out. Correct, correct. Because the real reason I'm doing it is because of what I just said, how you're talking yourself possibly into maxing it. That's the okay. only reason I'm doing it, and I don't feel comfortable giving that out to people, but personally I will be playing it for a max because of Greg's analysis. So basically and his... the only way that anyone's going to know that you're on Wisconsin is if they listen to this. Correct, correct. <laughs> All right, well, I can get behind that. Let's wrap things up in Big 12. <laughs> Uh, where we're going to go to my max. I'm going to let you go first, though. Uh, Billy, you kind of already tipped, uh, tipped our hand on where we're going here. Uh, looks like pick them, plus one, minus one. This number, I've seen it in a couple different places, have gone a couple different ways here. Kansas, uh, on bet online, is a short road favorite. I've seen Oklahoma as a one-point favorite as well. I'm curious to see where DraftKings is at on this game. But nonetheless, Kansas-Oklahoma... Let's just call it pick for intensive purposes. Uh, and we're seeing a total of 142.5 here. Uh, Bill, you like Oklahoma as well, and I've been talking more than you have recently, so I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, um, I do like Oklahoma. I am getting a bit nervous as I see the number changing. Um, obviously, that's not a reason to get away from it, uh, but it does make me a little weary because I was hoping that this number I, – I put it out to my guys. I got it Oklahoma um, as the one-point favorite. That's uh, what I got, fact, yeah. Yeah, the fact that I'm seeing them as I could be getting them, not so much that I'd be getting the point, but I could just be getting the money line and plus money. It, it, that frustrates right. me a little bit. But getting to the handicap portion of it, Kansas offensively, 
20th in the country. Uh, defensively, they're 14th. Oklahoma, on the opposite side, they're 27th offensively and 40th defensively. So right out of the gate, when I look at it, besides obviously the fact that when you look at those pretty little numbers next to the team names, the fact that you have a Kansas team who is top 10 in the country and you know, they opened as dogs to an unranked team, right there is glaring to me. Then when you dive into it a little bit deeper and look at statistically, they're not truly that far off statistically. However, the fact they are off, um, it's a decent gap defensively. Uh, the fact that Oklahoma's favorite, and, and, or not even favorite if it's a short number, makes me lean Oklahoma out of the gate. Um, but when I look at it more, Oklahoma, they really take care of the ball. They're seventh in the country in turnover percentage. So right there tells me that, you know, they're not going to be giving possessions away, which Kansas sometimes feeds off of. They are a good defensive team. Um, as I mentioned, they're 14th in defensive efficiency. Uh, but this Oklahoma team is not going to give them the ball. So not going to get those extra possessions. Uh, this Oklahoma team lost at Fog Allen uh, by four right. in their last game. They had a lead under three minutes, and they blew it. I'm pretty sure I had a max play on Oklahoma in that one and took a loss. Um, so it's a revenge spot for them here. They're also seven and one straight up at home, six and two against the spread at home, and they're also three and one versus ranked teams. So that just tells you these kind of games they tend to get up for. They are unranked, like I mentioned. They're going to be hungry, right? Their only losses this season, you know, you take a decent ten and two Xavier team, you take them out of it. Their only losses are to this Kansas team, ranked number six, number two Baylor, and number fifteen Texas Tech. So they don't have a bad loss on their resume. But the only thing is they only have one quality win, which is against West Virginia. And now they're entering their toughest stretch in the league. And, and it could be the toughest stretch of any team in the country. I know we've talked about it with some of the Big Ten schedules. But when I looked at this, I was shocked. They got Kansas, then Texas, then Bama, then Texas Tech, Baylor, and West Virginia, and Texas again. Seven of their next eight opponents there. I think there's an Iowa State sprinkled in there. You know, sorry, Iowa State. You're probably gonna get smacked by these guys because they're going to be so angry coming into that into that <laughs> game. But when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, right off the get-go here, you have a revenge spot for them. It's a chance for them to get another big win on the resume with West Virginia being their only other one. And when they're going into the stretch, they're going to take all these games seriously. But I think out of the gate, the first game that they have, it being this, uh, being this uh, Kansas team, I think this is a great spot for them. And Kansas, 2-2 two and two on the road straight up. They just lost to, obviously, one of the best teams in the country in Baylor. But they also lost, lost to a mediocre Oklahoma State uh, team. Right. Um, and that's been their only true road test. I mean, the other two road games, right. I don't know if they were off the top of my head, but they weren't anybody of, you know, substance to them. So it was the fact that they, with Texas Tech. Yeah. Oh, Texas well, Tech, they only won by one. Okay. Texas Tech, obviously, that's, that's a decent one. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, yeah, they were an underdog in that Texas Tech game. Yeah, so I like this spot for Oklahoma. Again, I'm a little weary because the line movement. Uh, I'm still going to be keeping it. I have it as a three-unit play. I put it out to my guys earlier um, at minus one. If you didn't get it, if you're not on my VIP and you didn't get it and you're hearing it now, you're probably going to be able to get some plus money on the money line. Um, or if you see it tick up to two, which I hope that God doesn't get to that, um, you'll be able to get a couple extra points out there. But I will be on Oklahoma here. Yeah, Bill, first off, I wouldn't worry too much about that line movement because, I mean, yes, early moves sometimes make you think it's smart money. But, you know, you talked about it with Kentucky. Like, I think there's just going to be people that just say, you know what, oh, Kansas plus points, you know, dog, yeah, yes, please. You know, so now obviously Kansas a much better team this year than Kentucky. But, oh, by the way, maybe that's 
just where I want to go with this handicap. I'll get to the pro-Oklahoma stuff in a minute because you brought up a lot of it, so I'm kind of kind of circle back to that. Mm-hmm. But how good is Let me ask like how good It's a good question. <laughs> it's a really good question. I don't, I don't think we know. Right. Okay, that's my point. And this is why, like, you going back to my point about, like, am I going to say that Oklahoma's going to kill him? No, I'm not going to say that. But, like, going back to your point about, like, well, why didn't you max, you know, why didn't you max Wisconsin? Like, but you think Oklahoma's going to win by double? Like, how much do you think they're going to win by? Because the problem that I have with this Kansas team is time and time again, we have seen them really just kind of look pedestrian. Okay, Baylor's kicking their ass the other night. And the only reason that they cover is again. Sorry again, Alex brought it up yesterday. <laughs> he had Kansas. One of the and I had, or he had Baylor. I had Kansas. I felt bad for him and I won. Ridiculous beat, probably the worst beat of the season on that prayer from the kid for Kansas. I don't even remember his name, but he belongs in the gambling hall of fame just for that shot. Um, but anyway, like they were getting crushed in Waco. Okay. And then you look at some of the other Kansas games, and you say, oh, I don't know. Well, I think the spread the spread is the great equalizer, right? I love to use this in all sports that, at least, you know, basketball and football, where we use the spreads to handicap. Like, it is how you can tell how a team's performing, right? Because it's just a number that says this is how much you should win or lose by. And they haven't looked that great as far as the ATS results. You mentioned the outright loss against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Like, I think this Oklahoma team's better than Oklahoma State, okay? Yeah. And, and this game's in Norman, okay? Oklahoma goes into Fog Allen, as you said, only loses by four. So they cover as a seven-point road dog. Absolutely slaughtered Kansas was at home by Texas, okay? And I know we have a lot of good you, – you especially have a lot of good things to say about Texas, but 25 points at Fog Allen? What the hell is going on there? Yeah. Okay, now they have some nicer wins earlier in the Big 12 part of the schedule against West Virginia at home and at Texas Tech. But let's go back to some of their non-conference games. Creighton takes them right down the wire. Creighton's a good team, obviously. But three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. They only win by one. North Dakota State, a 25-point underdog. <laughs> Takes them right down the wire, nearly wins the game outright. They only lose by four. And we talked a bit in the beginning of my handicap, mentioned Kentucky, because yeah. you're talking about the Blue Bloods and how they just garner money. They beat Kentucky by three, and the more that the season goes on, it's like, well, what the hell? How did you only beat Kentucky by three? And they were well, down by six and a half to Kentucky. Right. Lost by double digits against Gonzaga in the season opener. Like, I don't know. This could be a Kansas team. I'm going to have to – let me put it to you like this. I'm going to have to see something pretty significant here because I talked about Baylor beating them up pretty good, We know, even though they covered. Texas absolutely blew the doors off them in Fog Allen. I'm going to have to see something pretty significant down the stretch to make me think that Kansas can make a deep run because otherwise I just think, as you said, Bill, we don't really know what this Kansas team is, and that doesn't make me feel good. So those are all the things that make me a little apprehensive as far as the Kansas side. Then let me go to the Oklahoma side. First off, as you said, can't say this right now because the number's been bet through pick, but 
Oklahoma, the unranked team favorite over ranked team that jumped to me right away. And still a short line here. I, you know, I, I, it, it always catches my eye when we see these unranked teams against teams ranked as highly as Kansas and lines basically pick. Makes me think that the unranked team is always aside. Oklahoma seven and one straight up at home, six and two against the spread at home. So they've been good in Norman. This game reminds me a lot. I, by the way, I think we were both on it. A game, uh, an Oklahoma game, a few weeks back um, when. Uh, Oklahoma uh, played uh, West Virginia at home back on January 2nd. They were a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They were not ranked. West Virginia was ranked. Oklahoma wins it in the guts of the game. They, they By the way, they had a huge lead in that game, nearly blew yep. it. And Oklahoma ends up winning by four. Okay, but, Bill, here's why I really like this. The last two games for Oklahoma, okay, after the Kansas game, where they almost win at Fog Allen, so... On one hand, you're thinking maybe, uh, you know, you could talk yourself into a little bit of a letdown, even though they lost, still lost the game straight up. You could talk yourself into not matching that intensity because their next game's against TCU. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Clobber TCU. They won 82-46, okay, 36-point margin. Then the very next game where you have a clear look-ahead spot to Kansas, right? The rematch against the Jayhawks right around the corner. They're coming into your barn. You're at home against Kansas State. You're a 13.5-point favorite, and they win the game by 26. So that is a sign for me as a bet-on sign. Lon Kruger's team right now is focused, very coach-speaky here, but, you know, day-to-day getting better, you know, not looking too far down the line. And it just so happens that the team rolling into Norman right now is that Jayhawk team who you were oh so close to knocking off on the road. I think the situation lines up perfectly for Oklahoma. So that is why they are my best bet. Yeah, I'm looking at the action network right now, and I'm seeing 62% of the tickets are on Kansas. 80% of the money is on Kansas. Like you said, it's a blue blood program, top 10 in the country where it's unranked. Um, you know, the books can afford to move that line. I would just, again, Personally, like if I would have seen this tick from Oklahoma being a one-point favorite to Oklahoma being you know close to a two-point favorite with all those tickets and with all that money on Kansas, you know I would be in heaven. <laughs> but again, right. I, I don't I don't think that that's I don't think it's smart money that's coming in on Kansas. Like you said, I think it's more. It's just to be honest, I think it's probably more square money coming in because uh, they see that number nine next to them and no number next to Oklahoma. Friday night, you know, COVID, who's going out? You know, probably looking at some 12 noon games. Oh, Kansas, pick them against the Oklahoma team. That's not even right. Yeah, yes, exactly. Sign me up. Exactly. That's what I think the Joe Publix are doing right now. So, Plenty of, yeah, it's Friday night, right? One o'clock in the morning, I guess, in, in the East Coast. Maybe <laughs> they go out and hungover, you know? Yeah, they, they're already down, you know, a couple hundred hours. And they're going into the weekend, like, oh, i got to make it back before Sunday so I can bet the football games. And there it is, Kansas. Oh, it's a godsend. Well, we shall see. (laughs) Bill Christie, Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2. I'm Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, for all of my gambling picks. Bill, always a pleasure. Uh, Let's enjoy this. This was a fun one. Uh, Certainly get back to doing the two a week as we uh, head for the stretch run in the college basketball regular season. Absolutely. Best of luck to everybody. I'm feeling very confident in tomorrow's sleep, both sides, myself and Greg. Don't forget, I'm not really playing Greg's. <laughs> not Max. Maybe he'll Max. I don't know. We'll see. It'll only be a personal play. But, yeah, I, I like where we're both at on all these spots tomorrow. So there we have it. Uh, this has been Full Slate 
of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy your weekends. I will not be tweeting these picks out. My college basketball, when we have a podcast, I make you listen and suffer through it all, and hopefully <laughs> we're cashing together. Start your morning with us here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy your weekends, and of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.